Welcome to the Know It Some podcast, bringing you the widest variety of conversational interviews for a well-rounded perspective on life. Because while it's true, nobody likes a know-it-all, it's also good to know it some. Here's your host, Steve Platt. That's right, folks. Welcome back to another great episode of the Know It Some podcast. I'm your host, Steve Platt. Last week, I told you guys we were on 14 different podcast listening platforms. Well, that list has grown. We are now on iHeartRadio and Pandora, bringing us to a total of 16 different podcast listening platforms, meaning that the Know It Some podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. This week's guest is a very funny comedian, a great guy. His name's Kevin McCaffrey, stand-up comic, comedy writer. The resume is long. He's been on The Late Show with David Letterman. He has been on True TV's World's Dumbest. He has a comedy album out now that's very funny. It's called Nice and Drunk. You're going to want to check that out. Um, but we we had a great conversation. I, I found it to be pretty fun. I think you guys will like it. Uh, we go into a lot of his journey as a as a comedian, um, but we just had a lot of laughs along the way. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite episodes so far, if not my favorite. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Um, but the guy's uh, just a great Twitter follow as well if you're on social media. Um, really, really, really funny Twitter account. Um, so check it out. Here we go. Episode 12, Kevin McCaffrey. Hey, Kevin. Yes. Welcome to the Know It Some podcast. Thanks for being here. Sure. Thanks for having me, Steve. I I really appreciate it. Um, I think like any sane person, um, you know, I I love stand-up comedy. Uh, It's kind of like saying you love music. Like, you know, (laughs) everybody loves stand-up. But but you are one of the funniest uh, folks that I've seen. You're an amazing uh, Twitter follow um, for folks out there. And, uh, And I just had to have you on the podcast. Um, to kind of learn how you got into this. How, how long have you been doing stand-up? Been doing stand-up uh, in terms of like for a job, I would say since 2008. Uh, I did my first open mic in 2006. And then uh, I got a writing job and sort of didn't do anything for a little bit. Um, and then I would say I started like doing mics, uh, open mics on a consistent basis and starting to actually work at it in, in 2007. So, you know, I mean, I think it's it's like 13-ish, 14 years. It's sort of, I, I do feel <laughs> every, I do feel like every stand-up who does it professionally you sort of once you're five or six years in you feel like you're just that forever you know like (laughs) it's when I say the number out loud it sounds longer than it feels like I guess yeah well I mean it shows I mean you have you know presence up there you you feel or it looks like you feel at home up there you're very comfortable on stage um when, when did you know that that you were you know going to be getting into comedy I mean when you were a kid were you uh, class clown kind of thing, or was this something that developed over time? You know, I uh, that, that's a topic I was hearing. I, I was just hearing uh, Conan and uh, and Seth Meyers talk about this in terms of the, whether funny people who become funny professionally uh, were they the class clown or like the quieter joke in the back of the room type. And mm-hmm. I think I I think I went through phases of both kind of, but my <laughs> I think my clown <laughs> my clown era was more short lived. Uh, I think you know maybe fourth fifth grade I was fourth fifth sixth grade I, I was fairly hyperactive, 
and uh, certainly, you know, I had to be corralled a little bit by the by the teacher. But after that, um, I feel like it's sort of how I am socially now, too, where when right. it's time to I do like when it's my time, I enjoy being paid attention to, obviously. <laughs> but I also think I'm not a, a particularly like on all the time type. I, right. I think I'm more of a, you know, <laughs> I appear to be more of a human being that could fit into some other settings than I think a lot of my, some of my comedian friends are. So I think like in terms of a job, I, the first thing I wanted to do was play in the NBA. That didn't mm -hmm. happen. And then, uh, that start, close. <laughs> yeah, and I'm starting to feel like it might not at this point, but after that, it, uh, really, I, I was a huge Letterman and Conan fan from a weirdly young age. And that was the only other thing I wanted to do. So that's like, you know, I did a radio show in high school that I ended up spending a ton of time on, mm -hmm. uh, and then went to college specifically to do like a, a TV show there. And, uh, and, and you know, go from there. I, I'm I'm right with you, especially on the Conan thing. I, I would stay up to it to an ungodly hour during uh, school years. Really, like, yeah. Way way too young to be doing it. And, Absolutely, and that was your guy. You were your Conan guy. Are you, <laughs> huge I, I, huge yeah, Conan guy. He had Abe Bagoda do bits. Oh, and, of course. You know, I, I I don't know. It was just an amazing <laughs> amazing show. I had, um, I, I did not know who Abe Bagoda was in any other way. Like <laughs> <laughs> when it, that started, I did not know. It's a legend. That, yeah, he is a legend. He's been in a million things. I mean, he's, you know, had a rough go in The Godfather and, mm -hmm. and obviously has been in a million things. But to me, that dude, that was that's sort of the epitome of a guy who was just like a person I know from Conan. We make jokes mm -hmm. about how old he is. He comes yeah. on. We don't really do anything with him. Right. And uh, yeah. I'm convinced he's still kicking. He's he's still doing bits somewhere. I don't care what anybody says. I'll believe it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but you were a, a huge Letterman fan, you said. So mm -hmm. how did you get the job on Letterman? Because, uh, I mean, you worked uh, for the show for a little bit, right? I did. So in college, I did this. This is very much by happenstance that I went to the same college as Letterman did. So I went to Ball no State, mm -hmm, went to Ball State University in Indiana and when I did that, I remember when I got, you know, when when you're in high school, you start getting flyers mm -hmm. from all the different colleges and stuff. And I remember getting a Ball State flyer and being like, haha, that would be funny, but I won't, you know, because <laughs> it's, it almost felt like I knew I was such a Dave fan that like right. I, I knew he went there and I thought I will not. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then I, I I grew up in the Chicago area and Ball okay. State's pretty close to there. It was cheaper than UCLA and Syracuse. And I was looking at TV places with particularly good TV programs. Mm -hmm. And Ball State sort of just ended up being the best choice for that. So I went mm -hmm. and the most significant thing for me for all this, I think, was a TV show I did in college. I basically went. There was a show that was not a full comedy show, but they had a desk and a host. Okay. It was so bad that <laughs> it, I mean, there were a couple of good people on it, but they, they had literally one comedic segment that they called officially the bit of humor, oh, uh, which is disgusting. And Ooh. I, but I was like, okay, there's a host here. I'll just, I'm going to take that over. So I did and made it a, into basically like a hybrid Letterman SNL format of a show that I That's hosted awesome. for, for four years. That's how I met my wife. That's how I met, you know, a lot of my best friends that all moved out to New York together. And my mm -hmm. wife is one year ahead of me. Right. And she ended up getting an internship at Letterman first. And that made 
the Letterman, you know, the people who are in charge of, of interviewing and then choosing interns that made mm-hmm. them look, look at our group, our TV program. And then, um, and then like, uh, you know, two semesters later, I got in as a, as a writer's intern there. So um, we can thank your wife. Uh, I mean, she, absolutely. she the, the funnier one of the two, I'm sure. I mean, she is honest to God, like the, I mean, I'm a relatively biased, biased. obviously, <laughs> but like she, and we've been together for, you know, all 18 years at this point, but, um, she, I, I don't know a better comedy writer, you know, That's she, awesome. she current and she ended up writing jokes for Letterman as well. She's written for a million things. Uh, mm-hmm. we've worked on several shows together. Currently she's a writer and does voices at Howard Stern. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we, I, I lucked out to have a really weirdly talented group of people at Ball State doing this thing at, at, when I was there. And I think that helped all of us, but, uh, my wife, Jamie definitely was, she was, you know, she was like the Jackie Robinson of getting us in anywhere. You know, she was right. the first one who got, uh, who got hired somewhere and then, and then they, you know, that sort of led to the chain of events that follow. <laughs> well, so working for one of your childhood idols, I mean, and he's a legend. I mean, not Absolutely, just your yeah. idol, but just an absolute legend. Yeah. What What was the culture like on the show? Because, I mean, in the writer's room and, and, and with uh, the, the technical staff, like, you know, what's, what's the culture working for a guy like David Letterman? It was, I mean, I... I, I, I was, if it, I, I think there's, a, there's a chance I almost even gave it too much respect coming into it. And I, that's to <laughs> say, that's to say nothing negative about it. That's just like, I had it on such a pedestal in my head and right. it turns out, and it's a good like lesson when you're younger to just know, like anywhere you go, the people working there are human beings, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> they're yeah. not, no matter how high up you think it is, it's. It's, it's still relative. a bunch of people in a room pitching jokes. Absolutely. And <laughs> and I think like something I was surprised by was that these people were funnier than I anticipated. The mm-hmm. the writers, the writers themselves, how funny they were just talking and goofing around and stuff w- right. was was incredible. And getting to, you know, be specifically be their intern was awesome. And I ended up getting to write top 10 jokes uh, for the nice. list un- under the table for a bit and then got hired to write. Uh, monologue jokes on a freelance basis when the internship was over. But I think one thing that is was different culturally on Letterman than it was, from what I understand from friends who've worked on other late night shows, is partially because Dave was around for so long. There mm-hmm. is there's a group of people who specifically wanted to work for him and many of them didn't even want to necessarily work in television otherwise. So there's sort of, it felt like there, there's like a gene or a sensibility that sort of tied the people who worked there together um, in an interesting way in terms of what they thought was cool, what in terms of their sense of humor. And I mean, now uh, I live in New, I live in New York and have since, you know, since I graduated college, but a lot of our, a lot of our best friends are still people who we worked with in those first couple years at Letterman. And it's just like, there is a distinct friendly. And I think like not taking showbiz too seriously vibe there that I think is different from a lot of the other shows. Gotcha. I didn't realize you were in New York because I had seen some bits that you had done at, at Zany's in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I, knew, I knew you were a Chicago guy, uh, Cubbies fan and the whole yes. deal. And so I thought Zany's was your home club. So so where do you work out material over there in, uh, in New York City? There's a number of clubs there. Oh, yeah. I mean, and in New York, 
there, you know, there are clubs that are great, obviously, like, you know, the comedy cellar, if you were to name the top clubs on earth is, is Mm -hmm. right there. It's probably the best showcase club on earth. But as far as, um, stuff in, in New York and where I like to perform here, a lot of my favorite shows are just, you know, one-off bar shows or at venues that are doing, um, that are, you know, that aren't even comedy most of the week, but have right. like one night where they in, in the showroom, it's this way. And, and there's a club called Union Hall, which is sort of more of an, I, I guess you would say an alt venue, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that myself and a couple friends of mine ran a show at uh, for years. Uh, there's a venue called Caveat that uh, we do a monthly show at that I that I really love, too. Right. So I think one thing that's nice about New York in that a lot of cities, other cities don't have the same luxury of is the amount of sort of indie and one-off um venues like that and that's Mm -hmm. the the you know of the hundreds of the thousands of shows i've done here in new york since i started it's it's a high percentage of them are 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 that you know there's there i mean there's nothing wrong with that that's pretty much what i stuck to i when i was in uh, my late teens early 20s i I tried my hand at stand-up comedy and oh yeah where at so i was doing a bunch of bringer shows i was performing mostly in Florida and Texas, I, I mm-hmm. really didn't get above doing bringer shows for very long. Um, and, and, you know, uh, it, it fizzled out pretty quickly. I, I performed at the, um, the old Miami improv back. Oh, sure. You know, before it moved to Doral when it was down in a coconut grove. Um, Cause I'm originally from Miami. Um, and then I did a bunch of stuff in college towns like Gainesville and Tallahassee and, and then yeah. in, te- in Texas uh, in the San Antonio area. Um, but I mean, that's you know, a pretty good variety of spots though. Yeah, it was it was very short lived for a reason. Um, I I, <laughs> <laughs> I think in order to succeed, you you really have to work at it, and you have to be willing to bomb and and be able to to overcome that and not take it personally and, and realize mm-hmm. okay, I just got to restructure things or or, or change uh um you know how I'm delivering it. And I I don't know that I had the work ethic that it takes to be a comic. I, I think it looks effortless to those who have not done it. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of people whose friends tell them that they're funny that are like, oh, you know, I can. I can get on stage and I can do, um, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. But really, I mean, every minute that you work out, a lot goes into it. Absolutely. And I think even uh, either beyond or in addition to the work ethic thing, there is a level of delusion necessary where (laughs) you have to. It's nice. It's nice to be aware of how well you're doing there. I mean, there are comics who think they've never authentically bombed and right. there are, you know, and the, there's fewer who think they've never quite killed. And the reality is somewhere in, in the middle of that usually, right. but I do think it is such, <laughs> such a nonlinear job. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like you intern at stand up and then you do this and then you do that. And now you're a professional and that's it. It's so nonlinear and you don't get paid for so for usually for so long that it requires a level of delusion where you always have to think you're a little better than you are. Otherwise you would stop, you know, because like if you had an authentic view of where you are at any step, the right choice, unless you're Eddie Murphy at 18 is like everyone else should have quit, you know, like in a reasonable sense. And then, you know, if you are kind of good and uh, then eventually that things start happening, but like it takes a while. And I, whenever people come up, after a show when I'm standing at the door and saying bye and thanks for coming or whatever you'll frequently get people who ask about like how to how to get started in stand-up people Mm -hmm. want to and I always say like if you think you might want to for sure do it once yeah you know because there you can and there's no real downside and it's an interesting thing to have done once yeah exactly 
you know, I, like, I, I, Florida's not got a great comedy scene. Um, <laughs> right. It's a weird one. I mean, imagine <laughs> it's, that. It's but yeah. definitely a strange one. Um, yeah. I, I live uh, about 45 minutes south of Tampa. And so we got a club here in Sarasota, um, McCurdy's. And then we mm-hmm. got um, some clubs up in Tampa and Orlando. And I, I might do it for fun, but my wife's going to keep me away from that. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And, 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 I, and God bless her for it. Um, yeah. But to add to your delusion, you you are – I mean, I just got to tell you, you're, you're extremely funny. You're the second funniest person whose name starts with Kevin McCaw, you know, right after Kevin McAllister. Um, sure. And then, and then right after that, there's And Kevin I've done it for longer than McAllister. I'll say, you know, <laughs> McAllister has a really hot 90 minutes. Yeah. And he has – and really, you know, his sophomore album was pretty good too. It's a lot but, of crowd work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is a lot of crowd – it's a lot of prop stuff, man. It yeah, is – we do comments. different things, you know. Yep. You know, I never, I never really thought of him as a prop comic, but yeah, you got him and and uh, Carrot Top, and uh, yeah, and those are the two top prop comics in my book. And Big rivals, those says. two. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, you 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 ended up uh, doing a, a set. Uh, I want to say like eight years ago on Letterman, right? Mm-hmm. What yeah. Was, what was that like? I mean, it was, it, 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 you know, it was a legitimate bucket list thing, mm-hmm. and at that point, he hadn't announced that he was going to be leaving yet. So, but mm-hmm. y- you know, you knew how old he was, you know, how lo- the show had been around longer than I'd been alive. Right. You know, David been doing late night longer than I'd been alive. So yeah. we all knew that there, there, it's the kind of thing where if you did want to do it and you were my age at the time, I did it when I was 31, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not going to, it's not going to be around forever. So, mm-hmm. Um, there was a booker for the show who's a nice guy, but just like, didn't want to book me in part because of my connection, my, my connections to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when different bookers, when he no longer had that job, um, different bookers came in and they, and they, and I got contacted and they were like, would you want to audition? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I would like to do Letterman if that's possible. Sure. So I ended up doing two auditions and, um, and getting booked to do it. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was something where if it didn't happen, I would have regretted it not happening forever. And going back, it was such a nice thing to, (laughs) it was very storybook in that it was so many people on the staff were happy that (laughs) I was doing it, you know, because they remember, you know, it It was like, it was like the movie Rudy. Everybody's cheering on. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I was Rudy, except I was, I was putting up numbers in practice, Yeah, yeah, but but like, yeah, but it was Rudy-esque. It was, I mean, in that, because, you know, the, the person who officially greeted me at the door, uh, you know, they send like, they send a car service for you. And I'm like, I know the subway to get there. I don't need this, but if you're doing the whole process, you know, whatever, but the person who greets me at the door, uh, to take me to the green room was at my wedding. You know what I mean? Like, and this was, and it's my friend, Megan, who's just like Mr. McCaffrey come this way. And there were so many people there who, and of the jobs I had there. So I worked as an intern, then I was a page for Mm -hmm. nine months or so you and, you and regis philbin have both been pages there uh-huh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've been yeah following well, each other throughout history yeah yeah and uh apart. yeah a couple and then i was the music assistant for a year which meant i worked with the paul schaefer and the cbs orchestra wow. so if you if you watch like video of of me walking out the band is going nuts because they mm-hmm. They know me, and I had—I mean, I hadn't worked there in in that capacity for seven years, I think. But they were very excited 
for me. So, I mean, that was beautiful. And my green room list was my wife and three other, you know, my three other best friends who I lived with when we all moved out here. We all did the college show together. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you go up and then, you know, I wasn't I was obviously excited to be there and I wasn't nervous, but I didn't want to, like, be celebrating anything until right. until the, it had happened and gone well. So, no, I hear you. You know, so I did that, and the the thing you notice once you get out there, and I get I've heard it isn't like this on every late show, but it was just the easiest audience. Like you're getting, <laughs> uh, you're you're getting applause breaks on setups and stuff. You know, right. I mean, it's like I, that was not the joke <laughs> part yet, and you're having to pause. And the first laugh I heard it was a joke about like hating my family, not the whole thing, but a, <laughs> but a part. Of, but it's, you have the right to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they were right. There's a couple specifics, but there was a joke about uh, about that. And uh, and the first laugh I heard was Dave to my left. And mm-hmm. so that's a very like comforting, you know, it's like, all yeah. right, well, screw it from here. I'm, I think I'm good. Um, and then, you know, and I, I'm glad I had the presence of mind knowing like, okay, I have two bits left. And really, I was in the moment very much trying to just like hang out mm-hmm. here. You know, like hang out here a bit and enjoy it because it's not it's so it's good. Yeah, it's a rare thing. And um, and, you know, it was that 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 was a blast. So you and I grew up in a in a in a different era um, because right now, you know, everything's uh, streaming. We have social media. We have these powerful computers in our pocket. Right. But Mm -hmm. comedy back then, I mean, you hit it big if you know, you, you pulled a Roseanne or a Seinfeld or a, or a, or a Ray Romano, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Got it. Got on TV. Uh, it was either that or, um, you know, auditioning for something like SNL or mad TV. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any of those dreams of being in television, either as an actor or doing, uh, improv work? Did, did, did that ever, um, cross your, your bucket list, you know, per se, not as an, not as an actor. Like I've, you know, I've done acting <laughs> like I've, <laughs> like I've been in stuff. It's, right. but it's not, I wouldn't consider myself an actor and I never really was looking to particularly do that. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, late night stuff is really what appealed to me most because I, I prefer, I don't really play a character on stage. I, you know, I, I it's just you. Yeah, it's me, and I say things that I actually think, and you mm-hmm. know, like that kind of thing. So Which can get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And then, but it, you know, if you actually believe it, it's like who cares, you know? So yeah. I think that's always uh, th- that's always how I've felt. And I'm, I think one a weakness of mine as a stand-up is I don't particularly like doing the same stuff over and over. I like mm-hmm. moving on relatively quickly, and the, the excitement's more in having something new hit. So late right. night specifically, where you're reloading all the time, was what stood out more to me. And I think as far as improv is concerned, I did UCB like a bright citizens brigade stuff here in New York for a bit. And, um, and that's fine. And like the people who do that great are, are really, you know, I very much enjoy. Um, but I think my, my mentality and just my vibe was, uh, I, I I tend to think improv people, um, before a show, their mm-hmm. vibe is always like, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and but stand ups vibe is like, Ugh, I, we'll see when it's over. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when, <laughs> you know, we'll, it's more like I'll let you know if it went well after this. And mm-hmm. I, so I think my vibe was just always more that, um, you know, and I, 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 I <laughs> yeah, I enjoy improv. But 
for me, it was always going to be more, I think, more of a thing based around stand up performing as myself, which I mean, the, the people you just named Seinfeld, Roseanne and Romano, those are all people who basically just did themselves on a sitcom. And I would yeah. love that, too. But um and Romano's yeah. a, a Letterman product. I mean, absolutely. That he had, he had like, he was like the last one who had that particular career path happen. Mm -hmm. I think where you go on, you get a late night spot, you kill the late night spot. Then the host production company starts a show with you, and then you do your own sitcom. You know, which is bonkers to me because I mean, I mean, he had no acting experience whatsoever. Yeah, and out of all the scenarios that could have happened. The, the one that that it turned out where he was a na I mean almost a natural I mean the show's Absolutely. hilarious yeah it's great that was like one out of a hundred scenarios that thing could have bombed so hard Absolutely. um it, yeah it, it's incredible how you can go from stand-up to acting I think you did the right thing in in not trying to pursue the acting route um because it's it's I don't know I mean like you said it's it's not for everybody and yeah and and it's like you can you know <laughs> fun thing about acting uh hot tip is it's pretend so anyone <laughs> and especially Whoa. when and especially when they do a uh you know if it's not live if it's not theater stuff you can do enough takes to just make you you can get a good one but yeah it's yeah i think it's but is it fun you know <laughs> right and really and really folk it and it's it's just a matter of where you want to put your time like you say it, you, there used to be more of a linear path to these things and mm -hmm. now you, you don't know how it's going to hit. You know, it could be through podcasting. It could be through the live stuff and curating your own like small but intense audience is something that I think happens more now mm -hmm. than it used to, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, and, and with improv, if you don't have the right cast around you and you got somebody that wants to make it all about them and isn't all about playing off of each other with the yes and it can it can really kill the the vibe um so yeah and and i think for me personally like i came from a a sports background for a while and i think this is which is not the most common thing within stand-ups but like i more than a, a teammate bringing you down i never wanted to be the one who sucked in a scene and then made it bad for other people. Like I can right. take me on my own if it doesn't go well a little mm -hmm. better, but the feeling of like, Oh, I ruined that for everybody sucks. And I remember talking to like the, uh, the, a guy who was like coaching our improv team. And after a scene, I was just like pissed off because I didn't think I was good. And he's like, that's not even how we think here. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it is how I think. It is like, I can't, I, I I do judge myself scene to scene. I know that's not helpful for improv, but yeah. Well, you, you know, try doing it for charity. I, my I, my oh one my and only uh, experience with improv was a charity event. Um, I, I started doing stand-up when I was a sophomore in high school and somebody had seen me perform a couple times. And there was a, a charity event for a group called Castaways, for, uh, Castaways Against Cancer. And the, this group um, paddles uh, kayaks from Miami to Key West every year, and they raise money um, to, you know, for cancer research, right? Yeah. And uh, right. so anyhow, they had an improv night, a bunch of comedians there, and some were stand-up, some were, were improv-related. Everybody did great except for me, and I bombed for charity, and I felt <laughs> horrible, and uh, it was the one and only experience that I had with improv. Yeah. Um, well, also, I mean you know, I, I always, t you know, take your own analysis with, with a grain of salt. Not that right. I'm doubting it felt worse yeah. or anything, but 
also a thing people might be surprising to other people who haven't been in a scenario like that is so frequently benefit shows and charity shows are the absolute worst because <laughs> the, the, a lot of the people there are like, I already did my nice thing. Now, <laughs> now I can be a D bag and it doesn't matter. I'm still a good person. And they have been some of the worst audiences I've ever had have been, uh, have been benefit shows. So that, that, that does not surprise gotcha. me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned that you never know where, where, um, your audience can come from. You recently, uh, were exposed to a number of folks that had not seen your comedy before because of some videos regarding your cousin, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that went viral. Um, I, I've tried so hard to keep this podcast non-political, but oh, no, you don't have to, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but, uh, you know, some some really, really funny stuff. I don't care what side of the, the political aisle you, you um, are on. Uh, just really, really funny stuff about, I guess, a, a third or fourth cousin of yours. Um, I think that, it's first that, cousin twice removed. Yeah, but go ahead. Roger that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so your grandma's cousin, right? <laughs> yes, it's my grandma's my grandma's first cousin. Who would that yeah. be? <laughs> it's Mike Pence. So <laughs> he, yeah, my grandma's name before she got married was Joan Pence and mm. uh and she grew up with the Pences and even like my mom my mom and her four sisters you know would vacation with these people you know mm. like like occasionally growing up you know there's photos Lovely. of my photos of all my you know my aunts hanging out with Mike at you know Lake Geneva in in Wisconsin and I've definitely like Oh boy! So it's the kind of thing where I've known about him for a long time, and I talk about that in the stand-up. And as you said, <laughs> the the point of like when I am doing political stuff, I'm not like I don't think I'm hesitant to put forward how I feel. But when I'm doing it in stand-up, the point is also that I think it's funny mm -hmm. regardless. And oh, yeah. when I am when I am talking about it, I'm basing it. I mean, in a specific part of that, the bit uh, which blew up on TikTok, especially this year, um, <laughs> is about me talking about facts, like mm. legit actual facts about Mike Pence that I find to be humorous. So yeah, uh, I don't see how you can't find it funny. I mean, it's yeah. hilarious. People need to check it out. It's also on YouTube um, as well. Um, mm -hmm. I know you have a hard out. So yeah, I'm uh, like 13 minutes, basically, I have the next you. thing. But yeah, um, well, there's a lot that I'd like to to let you uh, talk about and promote here, because I know you have a stand stand up special out. You have a few podcasts that you do. So um, could you just tell me a little bit about uh, what you got going on right now? Sure. Um, I I do a weekly show on Sirius XM, uh, Channel 99, 4 p.m. with a uh, with a very funny comic named Sean Donnelly, who mm -hmm. is uh, equally yep. as Irish as I am. And we are <laughs> about uh, time we have some white, <laughs> yeah, some straight white <laughs> yeah, Irish. <laughs> yeah, we finally got it. We're representing. Um, but we have like we have uh, fun guests on that show every uh, it, it's a lot of comedians we know and are friends with and then i mean we, we had friggin bob newhart on a few weeks ago that was oh, crazy wow. so you know we have uh <laughs> Chaz paul Terry was a couple weeks ago so we get it, we we have a fun time with um with all kinds of guests on that show and otherwise i mean i do i do uh, several podcasts myself and one of those college friends of mine this guy mm -hmm. named john daly is a very funny television writer and he and i do two podcasts together basically uh it's we're just dudes watching shows that are geared, I would say, primarily for ladies. So right. okay. we we watch uh, Sex and the City. It's is one mm -hmm. of the podcasts. The other is the Bridgerton Bros. Okay. So we watch uh, those 
uh, Sex and the City. It's we've completed the series, and now mm. we're we're basically doing uh, doing fill in episodes until um, until it kicks back <laughs> up again. But I, if I was going to recommend any of the podcasts, I would uh, probably recommend that one. Okay, awesome, awesome. And then where where can people find you on social media? On social media, it's at Kevin McCaff everywhere. Uh, that's, you know, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Kevin McCaff. Um, and you can find a link to my, you know, I go there on any one of the things. You can find a link to my album, too. The album's called Nice and Drunk. Uh, those are two things I think I am. Um, so <laughs> those are, that, that album is out. And um, yeah, it's just at Kevin McCaff everywhere. Awesome. And you can find all the things. All right. Well, I hope people can find you live. I know New York City's had a, a lot with the pandemic uh, shut down. Things I are starting to open again. You know, awesome. things are like kind of everywhere too. But yeah, things are starting to come back. Are you are you touring anytime soon? Yeah, I don't have a ton of dates set up yet, but they're they're starting to fill in um, a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I'm going to be in Chicago in October, Pennsylvania in June, various nice. one offs. You know, all all sorts of places. Uh, I think I'm in Florida in November at some point, but, oh, well, um, God bless you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> you, I mean, with all that you do with the radio show, with the podcast and, and, and stand up and everything, um, do you, do you have kids? <laughs> I do not. No, I yeah, don't. Oh, that, that explains a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot. Do you have kids? I, I have a, an 11 month old and oh, she's a handful. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, but, but with all that you do, I just, it's, it's really quite amazing that you do it all well. Um, oh, thanks, and, man. And that's kind of the theme of this podcast is, you know, everybody wants to to just focus on one thing, like a niche. Right. And mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of like that that old saying, right, like uh, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> yeah, that's know. that's me. I right. Think. <laughs> right. Right. But, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, I go against the grain on that. I think it's it's good to be well-rounded. Right. And, mm-hmm. and to not just uh, put on shutters and and blinders uh, to anything that you're not interested in. You should know a little bit about everything. So. You know, I try to bring a, a wide variety of guests onto this uh, podcast. I think a lot of people are going to benefit from finding your comedy. So I, I appreciate you being on here, and uh, you're, you're welcome to come back anytime. Well, thanks a lot, Steve. Thanks, uh, thanks so much for having me. Fun hang. All right. And that'll do it for another episode of the Know It Some podcast. Thanks again to our guest, Kevin McCaffrey. I appreciate your time. Had a lot of fun with that interview. Um, Just a really fun conversation and uh, always a good time talking to Kevin. Um, Those of you who have left us a five-star review on Apple's or iTunes, thank you so much. If you haven't done so already, please head on over and give us that five-star ranking. Um, Our listeners and subscribers really appreciate it because it enables us to continue to book um, these amazing and interesting guests. uh, And it'll ensure great content going forward uh, for the future of the podcast. A lot of stuff in the works. I'm really, really excited about it. I just can't reveal it just yet. Um, just a few few more uh, T's to cross and I's to dot or however that saying goes. Um, but uh, just, you know, keep a, an eye out for some news on our social media accounts. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok now uh, at Know It Some Pod. That's Know It Some Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And that's all I have for you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.